Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is our show for the week of Schmerz Day, November 7th, 2022. On the show today, news, listener questions, and a new Disney survey asks, why are all y'all visiting Universal? Then in our main segment, Jim gives us the history of Disney's Bay Lake Tower, which Disney filed the initial construction paperwork for on this day back in 2006. Let's get started by bringing in the man who says that whether people have two job responsibilities, standing in front of a green screen pretending something's there, and being outside in a Category 5 hurricane. It's Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? Uh, well, actually, like... You've got two choices here. <laughs> Talk about a job with, like, no middle. <laughs> the thing that impresses me most about weather people is when they're standing in front of that green screen and they're gesturing with one hand. Yeah. In the other hand, they have that crazy remote that actually ch oh, yeah. changes the images they're working. And, and again, they're staring straight into the camera, gesturing with one hand while just oh. working the remote with their hand. And talking about things. Yes. Without stuttering. Like, this is a level of coordination that I aspire to. I sit on my couch at home with the remote in my own hand and still manage nine times out of ten to accidentally <laughs> turn off the television. Man, Len, I miss knobs. You walk up, you turn the knob, it stays there. Jim starts flipping the remote, the lights go off. In the, in the distance, there are sirens. Yeah. We don't know what's going on. That's right. All right, Jim, let's do a quick shout out to subscribers over at DisneyDish.BandCamp.com. Thanks to new subscribers, Rob Todd, Dave Perinello, UNMC1, and Matthew Suplick. And long-time subscribers, Wings3496, Jim Summerer, Max Jackson, and Disney Ninja. Jim, these are the Disney staff who came up with the ideas of no lights and no music to make Space Mountain spooky during the recently completed Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party. They say the original prototype, was done in It's a Small World, but the ride operators freaked out after about 15 minutes in, so another ride was chosen. True story. Floating along that ride track with no sound, that's like the opening moments of a Chucky movie. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I was on, so my whole family went, we did Mickey's Not So Scary last weekend for my mom's 80th birthday, and I originally did not go on Space Mountain because I was trying to find everybody else in the group. But the, the group that went in came out and was like, oh, my God, this is the best version of Space Mountain mm -hmm. ever. All, everything's dark. Like the star tunnels are all dark. Everything's dark. And they had this like moaning sort of background music like uh, as you were going through. And six of the seven people that were on were like, this is the greatest thing ever. And one was like, I am never going on this again. <laughs> and I need someone to hold my hand as I go through the dark sections of Tomorrowland, right? And oh so, so I went on, I was like, oh, this is fantastic. This is lovely. Yeah, it was. And that, that, that got me thinking, like, what other rides might be improved <sighs> in complete darkness? And I thought, well, surely It's a Small World would be the most terrifying. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> but good idea. It was a lot of fun. And uh, lots of candy and, uh, and not very big crowds. For all, and the weather was great, too. And isn't that kind of the inversion of what you experienced in Celebration this past weekend? Oh, right. So Celebration was, um, so I did Halloween in, uh, in Celebration. Uh, and I, I don't know if we, we talked about this on the, on the show before, but last year we got 2,000 kids mm -hmm. for Halloween and I ran out of candy before 6.30 p.m. Full-size candy bars, I might add. Um, so this year, my uh, brother came in from Oregon. My sister came in from North Carolina and Christina came over from Lakeland. Mm -hmm. And we all pitched in and ended up with the equivalent of 3,200 full-size candy bars. And for those kids who didn't want candy, mm -hmm. Chrissy had bought things like Pez dispensers or foot-long 
bubble wands, mm -hmm. you know, that you could pull out or, you know, various other things. And for kids that had allergies, we had, you know, allergy bags mm -hmm. for them. So it was done up, mm -hmm. right? And my, my mother, who had never seen mm -hmm. this in person, and my sister, uh, other sister, who had never seen this in person, looked at this stack of candy, which, by the way, is four feet tall. It's essentially a third of a pallet of candy at Costco. And mm -hmm. I know that because I, I went to Costco and mm -hmm. bought it. They looked at that and said, well, look, I will bring 500 of the leftover candy bars to church tomorrow. And we will drop off 500 additional candy bars at Gigi's school. And we'll take 500 candy, bar, candy bars and we'll give them to various goodwills and whatever's left over. We'll, you know, we will be able to distribute. Don't worry. You will not have to live with 1,500 or whatever extra candy bars in your house. And I looked at her and I said, if we're lucky, they won't take the table. <laughs> on which the candy is stacked when we run out of treats. For them. And that's, that's if we're nice and we can manage to run up the stairs mm -hmm. and elude the grasp of the small children who are. So uh, it started a little bit later this year. Cause last year, I think it was on a Saturday or Sunday. Mm -hmm. um, started a little bit later this year, started around four o'clock and a couple of kids came trickling in and my, my mom was like, okay, you know, mm -hmm. She's like basically folding down the seats in her car, mm -hmm. getting ready to load in 2,000 candy bars that she thinks are going to be left mm -hmm. over. And then at 5 o'clock, she turned to me and said, "What? what is going on here? Because she said it looked like a movie version of Halloween. Like when they show you a street with kids running across the street and mounds and mounds of children running everywhere. She said, it looks like something from Hollywood. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, it's only 5 o'clock. Mm -hmm. Wait, wait until six because at six is when we ran out of candy last mm -hmm. time. And six o'clock is basically the second wave of kids. There's a wave at four, there's a wave at six, and as we found out, um, there's a wave at mm -hmm. eight. At six o'clock, it took four people to hand out candy so that there wouldn't uh, a line wouldn't develop in front of our um, in front of our house. And we actually ran out of three thousand two hundred candy bars mm -hmm. a little bit before eight p.m. when the third wave of children started. So we actually don't know, Jim. <sighs> how many candy bars it takes to make it through the night in celebration. I will note that as I, I was tweeting this mm -hmm. out, as this was happening, and someone sent me a picture mm -hmm. taken from the Celebration Library, which is at the end of Celebration um, Boulevard. Mm -hmm. Celebration Boulevard runs into World Drive, which you guys know the other end of that is Magic mm -hmm. Kingdom. And this, the person who took this photograph said, the line of cars to drop kids off in Celebration extends from the Celebration Library, which is the one of two entrances into Celebration, to the entrance to I-4, two and a half miles away. <laughs> I saw you pre-Halloween standing there in front of your, your mountain of candy, and it just sort of like... Yeah, I made the front page of Reddit. There we go! <laughs> and not the way that I was expecting to yeah. either, so, you know, that's yeah. good. <laughs> well, coolest house on the block, so, you know, that says a lot. And are we doing an after actions report? Are we looking ahead to 2023 or, is it, or are we trying to persuade mom to come back outside? The kids are gone now. Yeah, they, um, we, they were all, we ran out of candy about 10 minutes to mm -hmm. eight. And I think they were all, you know, on their way back home at like 8.15 or 8.20. The interesting thing is my brother mm -hmm. and his girlfriend had Ubered over mm -hmm. and there was no bringing an Uber oh, no, in no. once the streets are closed off. So they actually had to walk back to the library. Mm -hmm. And then hope that their Uber was coming to get them in a way that did not evolve coming down World Driver Celebration Boulevard mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. that line was was already a, that you know two and a half mile line of traffic there. No, but I think we're you know we're thinking about it. the good thing is is I was talking to my neighbors mm -hmm. you know on the other side, and I had three thousand two hundred full size candy bars. I will say that that was not at all unusual mm -hmm. in my neighborhood. 
in celebration. The the town tends to go all mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. for that sort of thing. And you know, I got I got some questions on Twitter like, isn't this a bit excessive mm-hmm. or or stuff like that? Like, basically, could you do something mm-hmm. else with this money? And and so I was talking to my neighbors. And I'm like, you know what? You know what I like about Halloween mm-hmm. is this. It's basically it's 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 the same idea for mm-hmm. Christmas. 364 days a year, we commit unspeakable atrocities to one another, right? We're basically just miserable bastards. Mm -hmm. And then one day a year, kids dress up like dinosaurs and we give them candy. And I'm all about that one day, right? Like, I I think that's an okay thing. Let's let's focus on the one day. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I kind of like it. I don't know whether I can get to 4,000 candy bars. That seems like a lot, but yeah, we'll see what happens. I, uh, I really enjoyed it. You know what was the most popular piece of candy we handed out this year mm-hmm. cotton candy really cotton candy went first like if you give the kids a choice between two candy bars mm-hmm. and a container of cotton candy i would say nine out of ten kids would pick the cotton candy wow i would not yeah. have gone that way yeah you're offering full-size candy bars i i would be knocking people down for the milky ways <laughs> out of the way kid <laughs> it's like the uh, the other mistake i made this year is when i went to costco i bought only candy bars that i would like uh, which let me just say don't don't ever do that that's just that's just a recipe for disaster okay. right there okay I, I, anyway yeah. yeah it was super fun thank you for sharing the lessons here <laughs> All right, Jim, let's do the news. Mm -hmm. Folks, the Disney Dish News is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Disney Dish podcast. For your worry-free travel experience every time, book online at storybookdestinations.com. As a reminder, we're doing the second annual Gingerbread Challenge in Walt Disney World starting Friday, December 2nd, 2022. That includes a live podcast on December 2nd. And tickets are available at tinyurl.com slash gingerbreaddish, all one word. And the topic here is March of the Wooden Soldiers. I am not dressing up in a wooden soldier outfit. Oh, dang. Okay. Worth noting, though, we are still collecting stories from folks who've actually been wooden soldiers in Disney's parade. So a couple of folks have come forward with stories, and they are very interesting, Len. But we always welcome more. So if anybody else has memories of this event they'd like to share, please feel free to pass them along. Fantastic. I think that'll uh, be great. And uh, breakfast starts at 8 a.m. on December 2nd. We start the podcast recording at 8.30 should not be more than a glorious three-hour finale for that. Uh, and then we have other stuff to do on December 3rd as well. Mm-hmm. All right, under the news. Uh, Jim, we, uh, as we mentioned last week, Fantasmic has returned to Disney's Hollywood Studios. Our own Christina Harrison was mm-hmm. at last night's cast member preview. Actually got rained out about halfway through, but she did get to see some of the new scenes, mm-hmm. including Moana, and said it was fantastic. Um, there's a uh, video and photos of it on our blog, so touringplans.com slash blog. Um, mm-hmm. But it looks really, really good. And it was uh, it's good to see the uh, the entire thing coming back. I agree. Also, uh, holiday decorations are starting to pop up all over Walt Disney World. So I think the parks will be fully decorated. I think by either today, November 7th, or tomorrow, we should start to see all of the trees up uh, in and around not only the parks, but the resorts. I was enjoying the videos that were going up on social media yesterday of the incredulous people going into the Magic Kingdom like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's November 1st, right? Yeah. yeah. And here is a full-size Christmas tree in Town Square. It's just sort of like, who did this? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, a miracle what they can get done in a couple of days. Oh, no, absolutely. And I'm excited. I think the uh, one of my favorite sections of mm. holiday decorations is mm. around Echo Lake in Disney's Hollywood Studios because they do the 1930s and 1940s era 
Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Santa Claus images. Oh, yeah. Which you fit know. in really well with the overall atmosphere. Yeah, a lot of fun. Well, I, you know, that the, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of like you know, going back to grandma's house. Yeah. I especially enjoy those oversized recreations of, of things from the 30s and 40s. I mean, they, they do a nice, nice job over there. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Jim. Also, uh, our friends at WDWMagic.com have reported that Woody, Buzz, and Jesse are back doing character greetings over at Toy Story Land in Disney's Hollywood Studios. And that's relatively recent because before Halloween, I was actually running around with my daughter Hannah mm-hmm. uh, around three of the four parks, and we did not see that. So this has only happened recently, but that's good. Didn't we also get some Disney Cruise Line news in regard to, to vaccinations and, and that sort of thing? Or, or proof ah, of that's right. So uh, I forget the exact date, but uh, Disney will no longer require proof of vaccination for mm-hmm. any guests uh, sailing on Disney Cruise Line. And this uh, follows the general trend in the cruise industry as well. But let's remember the other story from this weekend about all the people who were in Shanghai Disneyland who can't go home, not until they get a COVID test. I mean, it's just, this seems to be kind of a, a geography-based reaction to what's going on with COVID, depending on what side of the planet you're on. It's like, no, get out of the boat, you're fine, versus you're not leaving this park without doing a test. As a reminder, Jim, I am doing nothing but positive news about uh, the Disney Corporation for the remainder of 2022. So um, I am uh, extremely envious of the guests in Shanghai who get to spend not only their days, but also their nights Mm -hmm. in the Disney theme park. Something that I have never done, Jim, despite repeatedly (laughs) asking Disney for that specific benefit. I can only imagine the joy and the wonder that they have in experiencing round the clock Disney magic. I've got to applaud. I, I couldn't have pulled that one out. Wow. That is a world-class spin there, Len. Thank you. Thank you. And then, you know, uh, not doing vaccinations allows even more people to experience the magic of the Disney Cruise Line as well. So I think it's a, it's a win-win for everyone all around. It's just, you know, two different ways of looking at things, Jim. But really, it's under the same lens of adventure, fantasy, and wonder. <laughs> I'm stunned. Please, keep going. (laughs) You should hear what I tell my therapist when all this is over. (laughs) All right. On to surveys from Linsalt on the Touring Plans forums. Uh, Here's an interesting uh, sort of uh, question. It's a Disney survey. And it says, uh, you know, it's it's the standard survey that asks you about your theme park visits and so on. Um, But Mm -hmm. this is an interesting question. Now, thinking about visiting the Walt Disney World theme park in the future and assuming that these protocols are no longer in place... Which of these options would you prefer to do in advance for your trip? And the options are choose the first day of my trip that I might want to visit any Walt Disney World theme park. The second option is make a reservation for a specific Walt Disney World theme park for each day. Or three, no preference. Let me just say, Jim, do you know what the phrase false dichotomy means? (laughs) Yes. It's when you present two choices as if those are the only two choices that are are available. Mm -hmm. This, James, is the definition of false dichotomy. The interesting thing, though, about the protocols that are no longer in place is that this is the list. Physical distancing measures, limited number of people allowed in the parks, increased number of hand washing and hand sanitizing stations, employees required to wear masks or cloth face coverings, employees are temperature screened, guests are required to wear masks, cloth face coverings at all times, unless dining, or guests are temperature screened prior to the theme park entry. And 
the reason why I think this is interesting, Jim, is other than limiting the number of people on the theme park through the reservation system, none of these things are actually happening. Mm. So I'm not sure how the answers to this, this question, right? Which of these options would you prefer? How do those things relate to things that are no longer done? And, hmm. and you know, it, it could be you know, that no one in Disney's actually looked at the survey in, you know, in two years and it's just sort mm -hmm. of running on autopilot, which I guess. But my concern would be here that somebody's still looking at this answer and tying it back to the only thing that is still there, which is limiting the number of people allowed in the parks. So it's a, it's a little confusing. I don't think this question should be on surveys anymore. And, and putting a positive spin on things, that would allow people even more time to answer even more questions on Disney surveys. <laughs> okay. Happy, happy. Right. Joy, joy. Our friend uh, Leandra sent mm -hmm. in a survey that he had got. And uh, this was one of those like 90 screen surveys. And Leandro captured every one of these screens uh, for me. Thank you for doing that. I know that's a huge effort. Uh, mm -hmm. A couple of these uh, were super interesting, and I had not seen them before mm -hmm. on a Disney survey, so I'm going to share them with you. Uh, the first one starts like this. When planning your visit to the Walt Disney World Resort, which of the following best describes the number of days you considered visiting the Walt Disney World theme parks? Mm -hmm. I seriously considered spending more days visiting the Walt Disney World theme parks than we actually did. I considered possibly spending more days at the parks than we actually did, or I absolutely had no intention of spending more days in the theme parks than we actually did. And that's interesting, Jim, because it's a prelude, if you will, to the remainder of the questions, which okay. go like this. Which of the following describes why you did not spend more days at Walt Disney World's theme parks on your most recent trip? And there are a host of checkbox options here. There's probably two dozen. Uh, mm -hmm. I'll go through the big ones. Um, we wanted to visit other Central Florida theme parks or water parks. Hmm. Um, it was the vacation schedule of me or someone in my travel group that prevented it. Uh, visiting the Magic Kingdom is not appealing. The weather was bad. We expected the parks to be too crowded. We wanted to visit beaches. My family or friends didn't want to go. We wanted to spend more downtime, not in the parks. It wasn't worth the price to add another day to my ticket. There were health and safety concerns. Or the health and safety protocols. Again, I don't know that that should be there because... I don't know that there are any right now. Okay. Visiting Epcot is not appealing. There's not enough entertainment. I didn't want to visit more days than I did. I didn't think we needed more time to do the things I wanted to do. Didn't have an annual pass available. I wanted to visit Disney Springs. I wanted to go shopping. Visiting Disney's Animal Kingdom is not appealing. And I wanted to visit other attractions and so on. You get oh, Last one, by the way. I couldn't get the, my desired Disney Park Pass reservations. And making multiple reservations is too much of a hassle. I'm intrigued how far down in the survey that result got buried. I wonder if they're randomizing those. Because you'd think you would group them together. But then if you group them together, do you think people would just start clicking and just not stop clicking? Like if you've clicked three things in a row, are you more inclined to click a fourth, even though it may or may not be true? Like if you're on the edge? Interesting point. Um, ah, so, all right. So... Uh, Landro gave a uh, clicked a few of those boxes, and mm -hmm. as a result, he got uh, the following question: mm -hmm. What is the top reason why you did not spend more days at a Walt Disney World theme park? We wanted to visit other Central Florida theme parks. Our vacation schedule of me or someone in my travel group didn't permit it. We expected the parks to be too crowded. We wanted to spend more downtime not in the theme parks, and we wanted to visit other Central Florida shopping venues. Mm -hmm. And so, Landro clicked. I wanted to visit other Central Florida theme parks or water park. 
And uh, they, of course, the next question was, where, where did you go? And the answer was universal. This question came up, and I've never seen this one before. Mm -hmm. On your most recent trip, why did you choose to visit Universal Studios Florida or Universal's Islands of Adventure in addition to a Walt Disney World theme park? Please mm -hmm. be specific. The interesting thing here is uh, it was limited to 500 characters, Jim. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that 500 characters... <laughs> I'm just, I'm just talking, I'm, I'm talking directly here to the people who write Disney surveys. 500 characters is what? 50 words? Maybe? 40 words? Yeah. If you're really looking for an answer here, you might want to go a little bit larger than that. So Landra's answer was Universal had specific tickets only available to non-US residents with unlimited access to both Universal theme parks for 14 days with no restrictions. Uh, the ticket was unavailable, purchased at the ticket booth, and I got it on another website. And then got like one word into another sentence and that was the end of that. Mm -hmm. The next question is uh, related to Lahandra visiting Universal. Mm -hmm. It says, you may have already mentioned this, but which of the following, if any, influenced your decision to visit Universal Studios Florida or Islands of Adventure in addition to a Walt Disney World theme park? Please select all that apply. It was less expensive <laughs> to visit Universal. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't think we needed more time to do the things we wanted to do at Disney. The experiences are limited at Walt Disney World theme parks. Other theme parks had a better way for me to skip or shorten the lines, e.g. Universal Express. The accommodations offered a benefit or incentive to visit Universal Studios Florida or Universal's Islands of Adventure. The level of health and safety protocols at the Walt Disney World Resort at the time were too much. And again, I think we could probably take that one out. Disney's park pass reservation system limits my flexibility or requires too much effort. I wanted to go to attend the special ticketed event. There was a special offer. Other theme parks had more appealing attractions or lands. I couldn't obtain park pass reservations for the parks or days I needed. Other area attractions don't require advanced reservations. I wanted to see attractions that were new to me. I saw an appealing advertisement or social media post. So Leandro selected a couple of those. And then you get a following question like, of, of all of the things that you selected, what was the most influential reason to visit Universal Studios Park in addition to Walt Disney World? And the answer, the final answer they got, it was, it was less expensive to visit Universal than it was to spend more time at Disney World. So, Jim, let me just say, I've never seen these questions before. Have you? I have not. There's a reason why yeah. these specific questions have just now shown up on surveys. Mm -hmm. I would give one year of my life to, to know the to the responses to be honest to God. Maybe not a year, but like, you know, three months? I don't know. You know, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> This comes on the heels of Bob Chapek at that Tech Live presentation at the Wall Street Journal. But this is the thing I, I've always begun to admire about Bob Chapek is that he keeps saying the quiet part out loud. Our fans don't necessarily like this, but you know, I'm making so much money. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it exactly. And it just, and the notion of the reservation system makes it easier for families to have a quality experience in the parks. And, and I don't know if you saw over this weekend, the image of the line to get on radiator Springs racers, the lightning lane line that went all the way out of Cars Land into the deeper part of the park. To be fair, Jim, the entrance experience into Radiator Springs is one of the integral parts of that experience. And having the line that long allows guests to get the fully immersive experience of entering that land of magic and wonder. He did it again. He did it again. <laughs> oh my God. 
it was just a fascinating time to listen to what Mr. Chapek said about the company. And we won't even touch on the whole notion of, you know, well, yeah, people come on Disney Plus, but the adults, they don't like animation. And it's just sort of like, wow. Did, I, did you- I don't know if I tweeted out, but I'm like, is this the guy that paid 70, $74 billion for The Simpsons? Yeah. Yeah. So just making sure. All okay. Right. All right. All right. On to listener questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from Scott, from Laura, from Don, from Chip, from David, and approximately 12 dozen other people. I'm a longtime supporter and heard you talking about Disney's Castaway Key survey on last week's show. You were wondering why they ask about the weather when it's something they can't control. Mm-hmm. My speculation here is that they're probably trying to associate other survey responses with weather conditions. So that if you said there wasn't enough to do or you didn't enjoy the island, does that correlate with bad weather versus a bad experience? They could also use this data to try and create contingency plans for bad weather, like some indoor experiences or character interactions that mm-hmm. aren't normally available. So yeah, that's I, I definitely agree. That's why that particular question was on the survey. They're trying to suss out whether bad weather affected your experiences everywhere else. The thing that I was expecting, I guess, was like one standalone question along the lines of, did it rain while you were visiting Castaway Key? And then if you answered yes, you would branch off to another specific set of questions if you answered yes, right? Because it seems like now you'd have two sets of results for every question. One for if it rained and that affected your experience and one if it didn't. And then the problem with that is that as you add in uh, more confounders or more variables, Mm -hmm. how do you break it down from there? So for example, if you wanted to separate out by say like, families with small children and those without. Now you've got four columns for every answer, right? You've got families with kids and no rain, families with kids and rain, family with kids and no rain, or sorry, and family with kids without rain, right? And I mean, I guess I suppose that's what statisticians get paid for, but it seemed to me like there's an easier way to do that. I could be wrong, right? That, that, but that's, that was my original thought, but I, and I totally, totally believe that it is to, uh, to sort of look at the effect of weather on the satisfaction with things to do on CastaWiki. So, so great point, everyone. No, no, I agree. I agree. All right. From Stephen, who wrote in with an update to the Nickelodeon Suites time capsule that we said disappeared when the hotel was rebottled on last week's episode. Hmm. And Stephen writes in and says, according to Defunctland, which is a great channel on YouTube, you should go see it. Uh, during the rebranding process in 2016, the time capsule was once again dug up and moved to the Nickelodeon studios in Burbank. It's now prominently displayed at the hotel. The video segment of this on the Defunct Land video starts around 1226, and you can see it displayed at the hotel at the 1645 mark. Awesome, Jim. So there's a mystery solved. Yeah. And I've talked uh, the tip of the hat to Matt Roseboom over at uh, Attractions Magazine, who also did an article about this. That said, having talked with the folks at the team who were doing the transition from the Nickelodeon Hotel, that there was a time when this thing went missing. Mm. Yes, it got moved out to Burbank, and I don't know if you've been following what's been going on with Warner Brothers Discovery and how it's impacting the folks at Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon. This time capsule may move yet again, so (laughs) somebody definitely needs to put one of those Apple tags on this thing. Exactly. I think that's the solution here. All right, last uh, email is from Laura, Mm -hmm. who says, uh, and this is related to our ongoing quest to document how people staying at Disney Good Neighbor Hotels can take advantage of things like early theme park entry. So Laura writes in and says, you can definitely link a Hilton Disney Springs, Bonnet Creek, Signia, Waldorf Astoria, and Holiday Inn Disney Springs Reservation to MDE. My family did these multiple times between August of 2019 
and August of 2022. We put the official Hilton reservation numbers into MDE and the reservations came up just like they do for the Swan and Dolphin. When we booked the Holiday Inn on Hotwire, mm-hmm. the, Hol- the Hotwire reservation number didn't work in MDE at all. I called the Holiday Inn front desk and they had a second secret reservation number that worked. So maybe mm-hmm. you have to call the resort directly. Um, mm-hmm. Booking through a third party might be causing some people problems. Also, after you make a direct Hilton reservation, it takes some number of days before the reservation number will be transferred to Disney and to work in MDE. Perhaps that is also causing some other issues. Hmm. And I got a similar email from Howard who says, mm-hmm. I just stayed at the Lake Buena Vista Hilton for three nights last weekend. We only did one park because I only had one kidney to spare to pay for this trip. <laughs> uh, we did the whole rigmarole on Friday night, downloaded and set up MDE, purchased tickets and so on, and figured out that you had to link your hotel reservation number at MDE. The interesting thing is I went back and asked Howard how long it was between the time that he booked the hotel and the time that he tried to use MDE. And he said it was about three weeks. So that lends credence to Laura's theory that it takes a few days for external hotel systems and MDE to sync up in terms of information. So if you're booking and then you know within a, a few hours trying to find that reservation in MDE, my sense is then that this is probably a batch process mm-hmm. that happens either every night or every couple nights mm-hmm. that syncs up both systems. So uh, probably not great if you're making a last minute booking. I don't mm-hmm. know that I would necessarily count on that. And that's maybe where these write it down on a card processes come in handy. But you know, if you're booking a month out, maybe give it a few days before you try and link into MD. Okay, duly noted. And uh, like I said before, as soon as I, we get all of this figured out, I'm going to write it up. Mm-hmm. And we'll do it as a, a blog post for everyone else to learn from. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we return, Jim tells us about the history of Disney's Bay Lake Tower, which Disney filed the initial construction paperwork for on this day back in 2006. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Tis the season to be stressed out. Look, I don't know about you folks, but it's always during this time of year, between trying to meet all of my work obligations coupled with wanting to do right by friends and family as we head into the holidays, that in spite of my best efforts, I still find myself falling short. And it's moments like this that I think, wouldn't it be great if life came with a user manual? Something that could then help us navigate through life's little challenges and not-so-little challenges. Things like a career change or, or embarking on our new relationship or becoming a parent. If you're feeling unsettled or unsure as you head into the holiday season, maybe it's time you talk with someone like the therapist at BetterHelp Online Therapy. The therapists at BetterHelp are trained to help you figure out the cause of those challenging emotions that might be making you feel stuck. More to the point, they can help you develop the sort of productive coping skills that you'll want to have as you face down seasonal stressors like, ooh, those holiday meals with the family. I'm a big believer in the benefits of therapy, and and that comes from personal experience. And the fact that with BetterHelp Online Therapy, there's no waiting rooms. There's no battling traffic as you go to and from your sessions. That's a huge positive for me. As for how BetterHelp matches you with a therapist, they'll just have you fill out a brief questionnaire. And if things aren't clicking between you two, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. The process couldn't be simpler. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Disney Dish. 
Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Disney Dish. We thank them for sponsoring today's show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I remember going through Disney's Contemporary Resort as a child on the monorail and thinking to myself, who the heck could stay here? (laughs) And then I stayed there. I'd never got to stay in the North Tower, which is kind of sad. I've stayed in the South Garden Tower a number of times, but the North Tower was sadly demolished before I could get enough money together to stay in all three parts Mm -hmm. of of Disney's Contemporary Resort. And you have the reason for that. On November 6, 2006, Disney Parks and Resort files a permit with Orange County officials to begin work on a mystery project, something that would be built on the North Garden side of Walt Disney World's Contemporary Resort and occupy a good chunk of real estate. The entire north wing of the hotel, plus the racket club, and the chunk of the parking lot. Was it, were there basketball courts there, too? I want to say yes. Yeah, okay. All right, fair. This was the side of the resort that was closest to the Magic Kingdom. Right. Permits get filed, but Disney stays mum about the project for the next 22 months. This was sort of like the way that they operated back then. Because uh, remember, I was walking through the Grand Floridian Villas construction site with somebody from PR mm-hmm. and asked them when it was going to open. And they said, what construction? And like we're literally standing in front of a blue tarped fence. Well, no, no, no. It's, it's so interesting you say that. Because again, construction fence goes up around the whole north wing of the hotel in the late fall, early winter of 2006. And then the yep. racket club gets pulled down in January of, of the following year. But if you asked anybody at the resort, there's nothing to see here. Move along, move along. Yeah. <laughs> These aren't the droids you're looking for. Everyone inside of the company and outside of the company knew what was going on here. That sure. that. The Disney Vacation Club was building its first ever Magic Kingdom adjacent property. The original name of this DVC, and and this info, by the way, Len, comes straight from the Florida Department of Business and Professional Regulation, which is where the mouse had to file the paperwork for this project back in 2007. Original name of this DVC property was the Kingdom Tower at Disney's Contemporary Resort. So wouldn't that have been... A better title than Bay Lake Tower? I mean, Magic Kingdom Tower pretty much explicitly says what it is you're looking at and where Mm. it is, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if that's just too many words. Or if they know that half the the rooms are looking over at Bay Lake. That's an excellent point. That's an excellent point. Okay, I see see both ways, yeah. I think what makes me crazy is the secrecy. I mean, and things got genuinely ridiculous as the weeks and the months went by, because there is... Steel and concrete rising up behind the blue tarp fence you just described. Mm-hmm. And every day, people would go by on the monorail like young Lentesta and look out at this thing rising up that nobody had admitted yet even existed. And so why would resort officials hem and haw? This largely had to do with the other 
DVC property. <laughs> got got to sell one before we talk about the other, Jim. There we go. And 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 to be specific, we are talking about Jumbo House and Kidani Village over at Disney's Animal Kingdom's Villas. Mm. So just to, to provide a little background here, Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge opens in April of 2001. Now, that's roughly three years after the Animal Kingdom theme park opens. This deluxe resort immediately becomes hugely popular with visitors, largely because Animal Kingdom's Lodge, 1,307 rooms, offer its guests uh, views of three exclusive savannas. We have the Sunset, the Arusha, and the Azima. Am I Uzuma. getting that? Yeah. Okay. So, and combined, they offer 33 acres of land where a variety of African and Asian mammals, reptiles, and birds wander around. Yeah. I mean, this, this, so there are a couple of things going for um, Animal Kingdom Lodge. The, the animals are, are definitely one of them. But also, they've got three, well, they had two at the time, excellent restaurants, mm-hmm. right? They had Boma and Jiko, which were hits right, after the, right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. And the quality... Mm-hmm. of the on-site dining and the unique experience of seeing the animals mm-hmm. was enough to overcome the fact that this is in a remote section of, oh, <laughs> of Walt Disney World property, right? Yes. It's a hike to get yep. anywhere. And yet there was such demand mm-hmm. for Animal Kingdom Lodge that people wanted to stay there. Absolutely. So October of 2006, this Peter Dominic designed hotel, and Peter, by the way, is the same guy who designed Wilderness Lodge in Florida, as well as Grand California and in Anaheim, mm-hmm. uh, would become the home of the next DVC property, which was mm-hmm. to be called the Animal Kingdom Villas. The permits for Bay Lake Towers get filed one month, la- one later, month later, November. in November yeah. of, of 2006. And Jumbo House opens in February of 2008. The DVC part of Jumbo House. There we go. Well, they took, uh, they took regular rooms and converted them over. Okay. Uh, then we had Kidani Village, and that opens in May of 2009. And then th- just three months after Kidani Village opens next door to Animal Kingdom Lodge, Bay Lake Tower, the contemporary resort, comes online with its 428 rooms mm-hmm. in August uh, August 4th of that same year, 2009. So this is Disney Vacation Club inside of a single 18-month-long window adding an additional 886 rooms to its on-property inventory at Walt Disney World. If we look at that period of time, this is when the housing bubble is bursting in the United States. We have the collapse uh, in prices of mortgage-based securities, which leads to the subprime mortgage crisis. And that's what sends this country sliding into the Great Recession, the world's biggest financial crisis since the Great Depression back in the 1930s. Yeah. Not a great time to be putting all sorts of new DVC inventory on the market when suddenly consumers have very little discretionary income. Yeah, not only that, but uh, but the idea of selling real estate to people uh, was n- or buying <sighs> real estate was not at the top of the mind. No, for no, a lot not of at all. In the United States back then, yeah, at least for the first year. Yeah. yeah, this is what's going on behind the blue fence. We we can't talk about it. The, the Bay Lake Tower project. Mm-hmm. All right, Disney went from Greenland construction of a DVC that was already attached to you know, an already hugely popular monorail resort because the thinking was Animal Kingdom Lodge is already immensely popular. So we're going to have absolutely no problem selling all of the DVC units there that we built in a villa next to that. So why we're wait? printing on, money here. Yeah, yeah. Why wait in construction of Kingdom Towers? Let's just get both of these DVC things going at the same time. And home sales start to stall out in the States in 2007. 
people don't have the money for frivolous things like DVC units. And as you mentioned, there's kind of a taint on real estate transactions at the time. And and the notion was the plan was always to announce Bay Lake Tower after all the units for the Animal Kingdom villas had sold. Right. And, and now there's still plenty of rooms available at Jamba House and Kidani Village. Disney finds itself in this weird place where they are clearly building a brand new DVC that they can't talk about yet. Largely out of fear that should DVC rooms at the Bay Lake Tower become available, sales for Animal Kingdom villas will stall out even further than they are right now. Yeah, and I think the, the concern that they would have there would be, you know, Disney tends to price each successive DVC building more expensive than the previous one. Oh, yeah. And so if people start buying the more expensive Bay Lake Tower, indicating that that's really what they wanted to be closer to the Magic Kingdom, right? If they're putting the trade-off as like for three more dollars a point or whatever, you can be walking distance to a theme park. Five-minute walk. Five-minute walk, right. Then all of a sudden, being in the remote corner of property mm -hmm. at the Animal Kingdom Lodge doesn't look so appealing. And Disney hates to lower prices on things. It's just not something that they do. Absolutely. And there are things that people say they want. You know, for example, I would love to own a DVC over at Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge versus things that people really want. Again, a DVC unit that's a five-minute walk away from the Magic Kingdom. Oh, yeah, yeah. In hindsight, the Animal Kingdom Villas team now believe it was a mistake to have Jamba House and Kidani Village share its main savanna, the Sunset Savannah, with Animal Kingdom Lodge. There's a thinking in-house there that if we put something else on the table, if they had an exclusive savanna, the very thing you were talking about, it being so remote and such a far corner of property, that you know there were people who definitely kicked the tires of the Animal Kingdom Villas. And it's like, eh, you know, I, I mean, I like looking at a giraffe out the, the window, but am I willing to commit this to being my home resort for the rest of my life? And, you know, I think this is one of those things where if Disney had looked at how popular the walking path between the Grand Floridian and the Magic Kingdom is, mm -hmm. they could have come up with a way of making a walking path. And again, it didn't exist at the time, so I understand mm -hmm. why they didn't do it. But making a walking path from the Animal Kingdom Lodge complex mm -hmm. to the backside of Pandora, sort of turning it into a Disney California adventure, you know, Grand Californian sort of scenario where you could walk there. And I'll point out, like, that seems like it's a distance. And I think it's like half a mile, maybe a little bit more. But it's shorter than walking from the South Garden mm -hmm. wing of the Contemporary to the Magic Kingdom. That's so, an interesting idea, Len. Yeah. It, it's, would you have to walk past more wildlife? Mm -hmm. Probably. I like to say, is it a sense of uh, adventure and uh, enchantment with all of nature's bounty? Probably as well, yes. Um, you know, but they could do it. Yeah, they could do it. I'm so intrigued that, that you bring up the walkway from the Grand Floor to the, the kingdom, because it's worth noting that it, as soon as the U.S. economy begins to revive, with the Great Recession officially ending in June of 2009, after 19 months, yeah. DVC then revisits the idea of adding even more units to pre-existing monorail resorts with the December 2011 announcement of the villas at the Grand Floridian Resort, with a 147-room unit opening up over there on October of 2013. And of course, in March of this year, we learned that the Disney Polynesian Village Resort would, would be getting its own DVC expansion. Is it getting its own expansion, or is that just reflections of Disney's Lakeside Lodge? 
moved about a mile to the to the west. I see. <laughs> Adding some palm trees. Uh, Reflections, a lakeside resort, gets announced uh, back in October of 2018. They clear the land in 2019. And yeah, I mean, there, were, there was construction stuff there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and then in 2020, on the heels of COVID and what that did to business at parks and resorts, uh, plans for reflection at, at, at you know, a, a lakeside lodge yeah. are, are tabled. And now we're back to building a DVC at the Poly. All right. So let me, let me, let me just ask you this question, mm-hmm. right? The pandemic is not the reason why reflections got canceled because they could have, they could have, they spent $74 billion on Fox. They could have, they could have built this if they wanted to, right? Mm -hmm. What do you think the real reason was? I think they announced it and then were kind of shocked figuring that at the very least, we're going to get all of these people who previously stayed at Fort Wilderness who right. no longer want to camp, but, you know, love that place that, you know, they'll people buy with fond memories of and, river country or whatever. Right. Yeah. But what people really want, Jim, is to be able to walk to the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> You've nailed it. <laughs> I think you're right. No, you said, it, you said it earlier. I think you're right. Yeah. There is another wing of the contemporary, the, the South Garden wing that they've discussed. And, and remember, there is that chunk of property that has, has flummoxed the developers of Disney forever, where the, the Venetian was going to be built and then the Mediterranean. So you're thinking you're thinking of the area behind the TTC, between the TTC and the contemporary. There we go. And I agree. But mm-hmm. that's, to your point, that is, Disney's looked at that seven ways from Sunday. Yeah. And it's never happened. But James, I think the answer here mm-hmm. uh, for the next Magic Kingdom DVC Mm-hmm. It lies in the Reedy Creek Improvement District because if you look at how they've rerouted mm-hmm. Floridian Way and Floridian Place, there's now enough area to the west of Adventureland Ooh. for a resort. Oh, this gets intriguing. Don't need the monorail. Okay. I mean, you could have the monorail there. You could build in the station, right? Because you got to get mm-hmm. to Epcot, right? Mm-hmm. You could. Um, have a have bus service that gets mm-hmm. you to the TTC and from the TTC to Epcot or to everywhere else, mm-hmm. right? But it's walking distance uh, to the Magic Kingdom. And not for nothing, James, they've now just built a bridge with a pedestrian walkway that would allow people to do that, right? Mm-hmm. I think I think the next DVC that is not an expansion of a current resort mm-hmm. happens to the west of Adventureland between the Grand Florida and the Magic Kingdom. I like this idea. It does fit in with the fact that there are the things that people say they want and then the things right. that people really want. And, and the notion of if, if you build something there, you have yet another resort that's a five-minute walk away from the Magic Kingdom. No, and not for nothing. But remember the concept art that we saw for Beyond Frontierland <sighs> was north of the park and not west of the park. Although you could conceivably move frontier, beyond the uh, uh, Frontierland to the west. But not if you have... A resort there. There were plans for the Poly that actually had two towers. Right, on either side of the resort, right. Yeah. And I remember that from like 2006, 2007. Yeah, I think think Steve actually has plans, Mm -hmm. if not concept art. Okay. Well, all right. Maybe maybe Steve can – because I felt like that was a part of the timeline I was missing here. That the earlier iteration when they were seriously looking at the Poly – getting its own DVC yeah. towers. Versus- and this was the thing that was surprising to me because if you look at the concept art that was pitched, you know, mm-hmm. low those many years ago, mm-hmm. it doesn't look like what we're getting as much as Reflections, a lakeside no, resort, no, 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 no. looks okay. like <laughs> what we're getting. And I'd love to know the decision around that. Like, is yeah. it, 
well, we've already got the plans. I made a point six or eight months ago when this all went south to grab every piece of reflections at Disney Lakeside Lodge, every piece of concept that I could get my hands on because it was like, I have the uneasy feeling I'm going to be able to walk through the poly and go, yep, we lose the plaid shirt and make that a Hawaiian shirt. But they, here we are. Here we are at the gift shop again. <laughs> exactly. Can we exchange these railroad tr- ties for palm trees? And, you know, like you go back to Home Depot. Yeah. Fantastic. That's just sort of like how Bay Lake Tower fits in and, and more to the point, you know, how the DVC has to respond to what's going on in the marketplace. And in tough times, what are people willing to pay for? And what they're, they're willing to pay for walking distance to a, to a theme park. There we go. So fair enough. All right, folks, that's going to do it for the show today. You can help support our show and Jimmy Hill Media by subscribing over at DisneyDish.Bandcamp.com, where you'll find exclusive shows never before heard on iTunes. You can find more of Jim at JimHillMedia.com and more of me, Len, at TouringPlans.com. We're produced fabulously by Aaron Adams, who'll be defending his mini golf world championship title and giving tips on how to putt through obstacles like swinging ornaments, swinging trees, and elves tied to windmills. At the 2022 Winter Wonderland Mini Golf Event, starting November 25th at the Kingdom Come State Park on Park Road in beautiful downtown Cumberland, Kentucky. While Aaron's doing that, please go on to iTunes and Radar Show and tell us what you'd like to hear next. And for each week in November, we'll be giving away a free Disney Dish t-shirt to one lucky iTunes reviewer drawn at random. Do me a favor, please, and send me a copy of that review so I have your email address, lenittouringplans.com. And congratulations to this week's winner, Tinkbella72, who wrote... Len and Jim make exercising, doing laundry, and driving to work more enjoyable. Jim, let's agree that that's the eulogy we will use for each other. Okay. And Tink, please send me an email to get your t-shirt. And thanks. For Jim, this is Len. I will see you on the next show.